Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and settling in for another several months of takeout and staying home. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. I am currently attending KubeCon, but I don't know what attendance means right now. <laughs> what even is the hallway track? Uh, today on the right. show, we're talking with Gibran Kutik, Senior Manager in the Product Design Group at Disney. Welcome to the show. Thank Welcome, you. Gibran. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited well, so, to be here. Good. Excellent. Well, so dive in. Um, we want to know about your path to leadership and management and where you are today. And and I pulled up your LinkedIn and you have lots of interesting background at all the different places. So we want to hear all of the things, but back up as far as you'd like. And, all of the uh, things. Where um, does it all begin? This has uh. been the, this is uh, the question I've been most dreading. This seems like the hardest question that you all are going to ask. It's a big one. Um, so let's see. So how far back? So I went to art school, uh-huh. um, which I think is either a totally normal or completely bizarre path for for product designers um (laughs) which is weird um so i went to i went to kind of a small art school on the gulf coast of florida um which was really nice um it was Mm -hmm. a lot of the beach but mostly uh kind of the biggest thing that came out of it was i went and i initially wanted to be a um, 3d animator and the first time i went and toured the school i realized that 3d animation is a lot of someone else giving you concept art and you just kind of doing repetitive tasks cranking it out yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh and i i saw while i was there um the motion design curriculum which seemed very similar but a lot more kind of creative and a lot more uh kind of art direction and so i said that's what i want to do um and i enrolled in the school and i basically i was like i'm going to be a motion designer uh and and i had this kind of opposite thought where i was like i never want to do anything related to the internet i hate websites in high school i'd like played around with making websites and you know uh, messing with html and then somehow i don't know what happened that ended up it worked out exactly that way for you (laughs) yeah um Um, yeah it was it was bizarre but one of my first kind of graphic design classes got into um uh, it was like an intro to web class and I kind of fell in love with, um, surprisingly, like, I mean, you, you all are, I think are more real engineers. And so like, I wasn't writing code, but I was doing a lot of HTML and CSS. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm in marketing. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're making some really bad assumptions. Here, I have never been paid to write code. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I misunderstood. Uh, but like, so I was, um, I, I got into HTML and CSS and, and really fell into surprisingly like flash and action script and really loved making interactive stuff. Um, I had this really awesome professor one year who kind of introduced our class to UX design, had like a UX design class. Um, And meanwhile, I also grew up being really into gaming. And so I'd always wanted to get into making games uh, professionally. Yeah, Um, but that industry is so awful. Did you ever do anything like that? Did you find out for yourself? Yeah, I feel so it ended up being really weird. So I my um, junior year of college. I was thinking about internships and I was taking this UX design class and I decided I was going to get an internship working at Blizzard Entertainment and I was going to work on World of Warcraft. And so every every single project in that class, I just like ripped off art from Blizzard's website and put it into my schoolwork. Uh, And then somehow I like turned that I got I got an internship at Blizzard. It was bizarre. You did find out for yourself. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it was so it was so weird. So I they really love it when you use their their artwork in your portfolio. Um and so that summer I interned at Blizzard between my junior and senior year and it was it was awesome. I was like working uh I don't know like 16 hour days as an intern. I found out that in California you get paid double time if you work longer than a 12 hour shift and it was I mean, as a kid, it was amazing because they're feeding mm-hmm. us dinner every night and I'm, you know, staying up all night playing with video game stuff. I later found out that that's super horrible work environment. But, <laughs> yeah, but when you're like 17, it feels great, right? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, Everything you lessons to be absorbed <laughs> by something that uh, you were obsessed with, right? I mean, so it's, it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. And so then after graduation, I found my way into working at Electronic Arts and kind of had um, kind of a similar experience. I think I got into games at like the worst time to get into making games. Um, mm-hmm. It was right right when Zynga was kind of on their rise. Oh. And so I started yeah. working on The Sims, which was a really cool franchise, and then shifted into basically EA was putting all of their chips into Facebook games. And oh, it was how boring. It was awful. Yes, yeah. Um, did you make? A, did you make a like? Um, what's the? I want to say like, it's a diamond a Candy Crush. Did you make a Candy Crush clone kind of thing, or what were you working on? No. So I worked on. Uh, I guess it probably is fine. I I worked on actually. It was really exciting. We were making a Magic the Gathering, Facebook game. And I, I was super excited. Like oh. Wizards of the Coast was sending us cards every week and we're playing magic and we're figuring out how do you make a casual magic game? Huh? And the game got canceled because they said no one is ever going to want to play a casual card game. Uh, and so they canceled it. And I think that like a year later, Blizzard came out with Hearthstone, which I think is a hilarious, I think is hilarious. Uh, and so I left, I left EA to um, work at a, a social game startup um they they moved me to san francisco well moved me is giving them maybe a little credit they gave me a little bit of money to move to san francisco <laughs> do you use them to move to san francisco because it sounds used, like you yeah. already knew the job was going to be terrible <laughs> i well so i was i was excited about it and then three months into working there they decided to stop making games and focus on publishing laid off oh. of the, all the game developers and so i think that's i feel like that's a normal san francisco wow. story where you move there and then the startup you move mm. for shuts down yeah. uh <laughs> If you ever get paid in the first place, at least you at least you had a job when you moved there. I mean, there's there's an awful lot of stories that are like, and then I never got paid. It was yeah, I felt very lucky. I didn't. They paid me. They even I think I even had two weeks of severance, and so two I, weeks. <laughs> wow. You know, right? I remember those times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i remember sitting in my apartment i was living in oakland at the time thinking about how how am i gonna pay for this place yeah. uh but it worked out i ended up i went through one more job that's not worth mentioning and then ended up at linkedin um and that was kind of my first like real job in tech and job that i actually like stuck with and so that became this really great learning opportunity to um really understand like you know I, again like in this weird time where product design and in-house design was becoming a thing Um, and in like the capacity where like designers are actually participating in business strategy. Um, and so LinkedIn was this really great learning experience where we were transitioning from this kind of marketing support org to Mm -hmm. actually having opinions about the product and, and driving the types of things that we were shipping. And that was a really, really cool experience. And it's that 
same movement and pivot that gave us what LinkedIn stories or whatever they're called. But <laughs> right? I mean, you are the reason for this. Eventually you started that ball rolling. That was, that was uh, me. Yeah. That was my idea. All you, all you. Hey, Someone I, working I, there is going to be upset about that. <laughs> I want to, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm want to interrupt for a second. Kendall, I do not think you're using your good mic. Hmm. So, uh, you know, you going back to the early days when you were studying in school or possibly even before that, did you ever think you were going to become a leader of people, a manager like you are now? Um, I don't think I thought about it that specifically that early, but I think it at LinkedIn, it definitely became the kind of the time where I started kind of formulating it. Like, I think I, I preferred management and leadership. I didn't have any opportunities to directly manage people at LinkedIn, but I started realizing um, I liked being kind of the leadership in the leadership role, I liked being responsible for strategy. And I, I really started to learn about how much I kind of really liked coaching and mentoring people that ended up becoming something that was important to me. Did um, you have an ex experience with that, that like sort of, you know, gave you good feedback, positive reinforcement for that kind of behavior? Yeah, I think, I, I think it kind of started a little bit more when I moved on to Netflix. So I left uh -huh. LinkedIn, um, after a few years and, um, and moved to Netflix where that kind of ended up becoming, that was kind of the, the pivotal, pivotal role for me, I guess. Um, it ended up, you know, Netflix is a, is a very small design org and at that point was very small. And so I got a lot of responsibility very quickly, um, and really got to take on that, that kind of strategic leadership role very quickly. And as I kind of grew, there, it gave me the opportunity to um, take on a lot of indirect management. You know, as kind of the team grew, I got to take on a lot more of kind of coaching and mentoring peers, and um, and especially kind of directing work. And so that kind of planted the seed. Um, and really, at that point, you know, when I I after I was there for a few years, I started having a conversation with my manager about how I really wanted to get into people management. It became this thing that I was like, I think this is the right direction for me. Um, and that manager was then really direct about how it was unlikely that that was going to happen at Netflix because mm -hmm. um, the the management, the way Netflix, you know, at that point, especially looks at kind of hiring is they were really focused on experience in each role. And so for management roles, they were looking for people who'd been managers. And so making that step from IC to manager was very rare, um, especially with huh. a design org. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, so is that, do you think that's still a thing? I, I never heard that about LinkedIn before. I mean, uh, about Netflix before that they tend to not promote from inside to leadership roles unless they've already been a manager. Yeah. I think it depends on, on the area. I think in general, they've, they've relaxed that a lot. I think, uh -huh. um, the it design is really wasteful to me. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. It's a Netflix is a very weird organization, and I, I think I've noticed that more, especially since leaving. How kind of strange it is, and the way they approach, um, uh, kind of building the team. And I think because mm -hmm. they hire such senior people as individual contributors, um, it becomes it's very difficult to even to to hire managers in. And I, I agree with you. I think there is like an opportunity where like because you're it, as an IC, you're used to the way that it works. I feel like that mm -hmm. actually is a good step into, into management. Yeah. You have compassion for the people you're managing yeah. because you know what they're going through. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's see. So, uh, uh, so the whole time, so the whole time you were at LinkedIn, you, you did, you did um, like coaching and mentoring and stuff and you developed an appreciation for that. Like just made you feel good. Like what was the, what was the attraction? Yeah. I think what, what I started realizing is how much joy it gave me to watch other people do really good work mm -hmm. like that ended up becoming a thing that kind of became more motivating is I was more interested in helping other people kind of find that good work than I wasn't in doing it myself um, <laughs> well you've I, done a bunch of it already right so yeah <laughs> you've exactly <done> hard time. 
<laughs> hard time in the games industry for sure yeah okay so then so then you moved on to uh to netflix and they don't promote ICs internally or didn't at that time so did you get to do did you get any kind of uh grounding in leadership there at all or is it also ad hoc were there programs for mentorship not really so at that point so i kind of um, you know, within my group that I was working in, I, I had an opportunity to kind of mentor a lot of folks, especially as they were coming into the company. But ultimately, I ended up deciding to leave Netflix and um, took a really strange role. So I left Netflix to work at this uh, startup called Root Insurance. And so I, I left the Bay Area and moved to the Midwest uh, for the first time. It was basically the first oh. time I'd ever been to the Midwest was when I moved here. Uh, Are you going to say why you took this big step? Like what was so amazing <laughs> about this job? Uh, I took the role. I had a friend who had been working here and I had this opportunity basically to join and be responsible for building the product design team. Um, I was the first uh, leadership hire. And so it was kind of trial by fire, right? Because I hadn't been a manager terrifying. before. And I came in and uh, I expected it to you know, be a kind of a slow, slow growth. So I inherited the two designers who are already here joined my team. Um, and then it turned into this opportunity where I had the ability to really shape what a product design organization looked like from scratch. And so that was really, really cool. And so that was what I did for, go ahead. Well, when you say that, are you saying like the kinds of people you hired, you had the opportunity to, to choose what kinds of people you're hiring or like how thought goes into design, how it impacts the organization, all of the above? What are the things that it means to design the organization? Yeah, it was kind of everything. So it was, it was, you know, how do we hire people? Um, and part of that was like moving to the Midwest, the the experience, the talent pool of experienced people here is significantly slimmer than the Bay Area. And so mm -hmm. first it was, how do we create a, a hiring pipeline? And then it was, how does product design work with engineering? And how does product design work with marketing? And how do they work with product management? And so it's building those relationships and, um, you know, teaching the organization, what does design mean? Because, you, you know, you come into an organization where you have, we're an insurance startup. And so there was this great you know, grounding in, in the insurance industry, um, the the leaders are all kind of insurance background, but very little kind of experience with what does design do and, and how does design how do interact. How you make a product? Yeah. Where, did you feel like you had support from the leadership when you, I mean, because I'm sure there's like some engineers and, and folks you were working with who are like, why do you get to say, you know, what? why would you get to have any say in what I'm working on? Uh, did you experience it, anything like that? Um. It was it was interesting because it was it was so small when I joined. Um, it was really easy to build those relationships. There was a lot of excitement cool. for um, just making good stuff. And I think that relative to the insurance industry, we felt like there's this huge opportunity to lean into experience design and making something that that stood out because most of the industry didn't really think that much yeah. about it. I still and don't, so, as far as I know. Yeah, as far as I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's not rare to like to lean user first in insurance. And so I think there was a lot of excitement, um, especially from product and engineering to be kind of strong collaborators, which gave me a lot of That's cool. um, a lot of leverage to, you know, really get design kind of at a seat so it at the wasn't like participate. tons of resistance to you being like, well, this one time at Netflix, you know, like <laughs> constantly talking about, you know, when I worked at Google, that's the usual <laughs> example of that, right? But uh, so I guess that that wasn't a problem for you. It's, it's, that sounds really good. It sounds very positive. I would totally expect an engineer. I mean, you know, I'm showing my my prejudices here, but I would expect I would expect an engineering firm from the Midwest to just be very resistant to new ways of doing things. So I'm glad to hear that I'm wrong about that. <laughs> it was cool. interesting. It was definitely a learning experience for for all of us. I don't think you know everything wasn't perfect the whole way through, but it definitely was. Um, you know, we. 
I kind of, I really focus on building personal relationships and I think especially cross-functionally. And so coming in with kind of, again, with humility and not saying like, this is how we did it at Netflix. So you have to do it that way. <laughs> Smart. Instead, coming in with like, uh, humility. You know, <laughs> yeah, I want to make stuff together. The, the <laughs> refresher. I don't know. Uh, well, so, okay. So, so what did that look like? I mean, you, so you, you built the team at Root Insurance. How big was the company when you joined? How, you know, you were there yeah. at least according to LinkedIn a little over two years. How big was it when you left? Yeah. So the, the entire company when I joined was about 70 people. Um, and there were two product designers. And then when I left, we had just under 20 product designers wow. and the company I think is now at somewhere around 900 employees. So it was really wild growth in that period of time. Wow. Um, awesome. not what I was expecting when I left the Bay area to work at a Midwestern startup. Well, so then, and, oh, go ahead, Kendall. I've been talking a lot. It's okay. Um, I, I'm going to ask this one if that's okay, Rachel. So right ahead, Kendall. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you, you, you move over, you build this team basically from scratch and, and grow it to this huge, huge thing. Are you also learning the, I mean, it looks like your title was VP of product design while you were there. Are you learning to interact with the board, interact with other executives in this as well? Like, like, are you learning all of those? I mean, this is, you, you went, you just went from like not managing to VP, right? And yeah. I mean, was it all awesome? Are you glad you did it? Or do you look back on that and kind of like, oh, I wish I hadn't done it quite that way? Or what's the, how do you um, reflect on that? I, over, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I did it. I think it was, uh, it was interesting because, you know, when you join your, your like VP in quotes, right? Because there's, so there's, there's like two people on the design team and sure. it's not like you're a real, you're just, you know, <laughs> and so that was like an interesting thing where like by the end it turned into the fact that it was actually that job. And a hard way, I was yeah. having those, like those conversations with executives and my, you know, my manager shifted about halfway through and, and became like an actual, I reported to the chief brand officer and she's an actual executive. Uh, and so that was like this interesting thing where it went from kind of being this, you know, thing where I was reporting to this guy who was kind of my friend uh, or my friend. If he listens to this, he's like, <laughs> Travis, of, Travis we're friends. Kind of my friend. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm, we, I'm mostly sure we are. He, for uh, the record, we're definitely friends. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, I, went, I went from reporting to my friend to reporting to this person who, you know, she had experience working at, uh, you know, she was in marketing at Martha Stewart and she was at Mark, you know, she's this actual real executive. Um, and so that, that was this really interesting show. And it was a really incredible opportunity to kind of learn what does it mean? What does executive leadership mean? Um, and mm -hmm. it's still like this little, you know, small, it's still, you know, relatively small company um, in that it's, you know, it's under a thousand people. Um, but getting the opportunity to really be exposed to what does executive leadership mean and, and what is the, how does the job change as you kind of move through that was, I think, really special. I don't think, I think very few people get the privilege of like experiencing that, especially over the course of two years. Like that was yeah. astronomical growth that, that I think is, is something I probably won't ever experience again. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, you also go from LinkedIn, you know, very stereotypical Bay Area company, as particularly at the time, right? This was before the Microsoft acquisition. Yep. It's Microsoft that bought LinkedIn, right? And yeah. then, um, and then to Netflix, also stereotypical Bay Area company to Columbus, Ohio, and working for you know insurance company, which is way different. And then now you're back at Disney. Like, like, mm -hmm. did, were you just missing, like, oh man, I want the fast startup, like, exciting life of the bay or what and and did you stay LinkedIn, in the midwest where the startup yeah, yeah. life 
Uh, well, it's funny because I, I joined LinkedIn right after the IPO. So that was actually a really weird environment at, at LinkedIn. But um, it was so when I took the job at, at Root, the way I thought about it was uh, so I'd, I'd, I wanted to move into management. I knew it wasn't going to be available at Netflix. And I started interviewing at other companies. Right. And so I did the standard, you know, when you work at Netflix, you interview at Facebook and Google and, and the other, you know, stupid tech companies. And uh, every single one of them said, we really like you. Uh, we'd love to hire you as an IC and maybe in a year or two, you can be a manager. And so the opportunity at Root felt like this is the way I'm going to get in, get my foot in the door of being a manager. Uh, and my yeah. hope was always I'll join the company. I'll work there for a couple of years. Hopefully they don't go out of business and I can move back to the Bay and get a, a job as a grown up yeah. manager. Um, a grown up manager. <laughs> but you did, you grew yourself from having no experience <laughs> to being a VP in two years. So we want to dig into this, I think. Um, what was the hardest thing for you to learn uh, about leadership in that time frame? Um, what was the biggest, hardest lesson you learned, I guess? What um, sticks out? I, honestly, the, the hard, I think the really the hardest thing was, was all around hiring. Because um, I think that was like my focus pretty much the entire time was we need to keep hiring more people. And mm -hmm it was a mix of like hiring is hard, right? Just, just finding people and interviewing them and doing that in a way that's, you know, building an inclusive, diverse team that actually can ship stuff is, is really hard. But then there's also, Midwest, right? right. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's part of it too. I mean, I spent two years trying to convince them that we should, we should hire people remotely and it never, I still think to, even today with COVID, I think they're still focusing on trying to hire people who will eventually move to the, to the Midwest. And so, a mistake. <laughs> So that I think was the hardest thing for me was was um, actually interfacing with HR and recruiting and how do I actually you know I never I didn't expect coming in that that like what I where I would spend a lot of my time that first year was how do you actually build a recruiting pipeline right they mm -hmm. were they were still focusing on a lot of inbound and they were focusing on they're putting job descriptions up and people from Columbus are applying and um, not to say anything bad about the market in Columbus, but, you know, most of the folks who were applying were, you know, had no experience working at tech companies. Um, and yeah. so that was really important to me was, you know, uh, as we grow the team is making sure that I was hiring people who had shipped software before because we wanted to be a tech company, right? We weren't building a startup to be a great insurance company. We wanted to be a really great tech company that was really good at insurance. Um, yeah. and, and the so whole company that, felt that way. It sounds like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. from the, you know, from the CEO, CEO to, to kind of everybody else, like we're a tech company. Um, and so it was really important to me to build that, that kind of, um, uh, that knowledge base and especially because product design was, um, new for a lot of, as a collaborator. And so I wanted to hire people who set a really good example for what a good product designer is someone who, you know, thought strategically and wasn't focused on, you know, we, I wanted to get away from designers being focused on the pixels and instead be focused on building a really great holistic experience. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was really challenging to educate the leadership team on that, educate uh, recruiting on that and really like building out what does it mean to actually create that, um, that hiring process? Cause it was way more, it was more than just, I thought it would just be me getting on the phone with people and trying to convince them to work. <laughs> and it was like so much more about like, how, like figuring out how do I the negotiate process. better salaries? Cause HR was like, you know, our data says we should be paying designers this. And I was like, th that's half of what they're making in the Bay. Like, how am I ever going to convince someone to come work for us? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Move here and work for us. Yeah. Cause that's what you were doing. You're saying, right. There's not much in the local area. So you had to try and reach out further and get people to move. Um, so is that a thing that you do now? You do recruit now? Like, 
doesn't sound like it was very much fun. Is that something that you now were like, no, I don't want to do any of that shit. <laughs> no, I, I actually really love it. I think one of my favorite things is I, I love the hiring process. I, I ended up being this thing that I like. You I'm will super never ever about. want for a job if that is what you like <laughs> to do. <laughs> Seriously. It's so hard. But anyway, yeah. so carry on. No, no, no. I, I love, I love talking to people about what they're, what they're hoping for. And I'm a really, I tend to be a really transparent person. And so when I'm interviewing people, I'm not trying to sell. I'm trying to focus on like, is this a thing that you'd actually be interested in doing? And does this help you get to the next level? Because that's always mm -hmm. been a thing for me is I've always struggled with what's my next level? Where do I want to, you know, I'm taking this job with the focus on what comes next. And I love coaching people through that. Mm -hmm. And so hiring is this opportunity to have that conversation over and over again with oh, all sorts of different people. So I've always you, enjoyed you, that part, telling people, look, I kind of work for your resume you know i want to make you better than i found you and i want you to get that experience here so totally yeah i get it kendall sorry well and yeah being i mean i i'm amused by the not 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 amused in a bad way but the you know you you go from netflix to root insurance in ohio and you could have you could have taken with you an attitude of um thank you for applying at root insurance company we're fucking root insurance company convince me you deserve to work here. I mean, that's like so not plastic. altogether uncommon. Right? <laughs> right. And instead you're like, let, let, you know, and, and part of it, it's, it's, it's rude. It's not Netflix or, you know, uh, it's not some huge name probably. And, and maybe in Columbus it is now if it's a pretty big corporation, but, um, like did, was it hard to maintain that just care for people attitude or did you feel like that was natural for you? I mean, I think, uh, for me, that's that's just the way that I approach relationships, I guess. I think that that part of it was that it was I really had to convince you that this was a good idea, right? Like there's already so much fear around startups. You don't know if a startup is going to be here three weeks afterwards uh, after you join. Uh, I'd already been through that experience. And so I wanted to make sure people really knew what they were getting into. And so um it was always really easy to just be honest with people about this is what it's going to be like. This is what I'm hoping to get from you being here. This is what I, I hope you can get out of being here. Mm -hmm. um, you got a lot of time to practice your pitch. Yeah, I had a lot of conversations. <laughs> so so then how did you end up back at Disney? Like what what caused you to and maybe not what caused you to leave, but what what was the impetus for wanting to go do something new? Back yeah, I, I mean, so I always and I don't think I'm I'm the only person who does this, but like I think that. For me, it's always really about at what point do I start feeling like I'm um, getting diminishing returns on learning, right? So um, sure. do I feel like I have a lot to keep getting out of being here or is there kind of another step? Um, and so for me, it was a combination of I felt like I was kind of reaching a point where it was twofold. One was like, I think for the organization, they were getting to a point where they needed to hire a real VP of product design, someone who'd actually been there before. And as long as I was, as long as a I was- A real one. Fake news. Uh, no. <laughs> well, there's some assumption in there that there's people out there who just are way better at this. And maybe there's people who've done more of it. And maybe that's what you're getting yeah, at yeah. versus. Yeah. I, I think that that was, that was part of it. It was like, I think there, there was an opportunity to, um, to, I think me leaving hopefully left an opportunity for them to hire someone who had, um, especially the company was IPO'd a little, like a, a, about a month or two ago. And, and the, this is a very different organization. And so part of me felt like, the organization and my needs were starting to diverge. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it was, uh, to be totally honest, is feeling homesick and and missing the Bay Area, missing California. And so I'd started looking for opportunities to move back. Uh, and if it weren't for COVID, I 
hopefully would have already been back. Uh, I see. Uh, that I, was the plan was to move back to the Bay Area and work for Disney there. Yep. Okay. I gotcha. So yeah. So you, you decided, all right, this role is great. I've learned a lot, but I am not really interested in whatever the next step is. And then what happened? Yeah. And so, and, and even past that, it was about like looking at my, looking at my resume and realizing that when other people are looking at it, another two years at root, isn't going to look that different from that first two years. Yeah. And so for me, I was realizing that like to, to, I, I feel like I always, I constantly have this constantly have this feeling of like having to legitimize myself as a manager. Um, oh. And especially cause I'm still pretty early on as a manager, um, despite kind of this, this kind of weird entrance into it. Mm-hmm. And so part of that was also like joining Disney gave me this opportunity to um, step into a role that like when someone looks at it, they're not going to be like, what is that company from Ohio? That's, you know, Disney is a real company. Disney plus is a real product. And you're worried about it looking like a real, co- I mean, I hear you, especially, in, you know, there's something about middle America, but that's still, that's still hilarious. To me. Um, so well, when think- you were, when you were at, before we move on to the Disney, I want to, I want to just check and make sure, uh at root did you take any training or like specifically do any structured learning around or read books for leadership i ask this kind of question a lot or is it all on the job learning it was it was mostly on the job learning and and trying to learn from the people around me who who had been there before um the biggest thing to be totally honest and uh is the is rand's leadership slack that's been Mm -hmm. like my resource um i joined i joined the slack right around the time i started the job and um, I'm not really, I wish I was, but I'm not really much of a reader, but on that Slack, it's been this really incredible opportunity to learn from people, both directly mm-hmm. engaging and just reading along. Um, and that's pushed me to, you know, I, the blogs and all the things. And so that's been a, kind of the, the primary resource that I've, I've kind of drawn from, um, uh, there's so much collected yeah. experience there and it's been a really great opportunity to like, I think really level myself up through other people's experiences. It is, bit, it is a great resource. I completely agree. Okay. So, uh, so then you moved on to Disney and you came in as a senior director, senior manager, senior manager, so I'm, sorry, I'm just sorry. under yeah. a director. Okay. Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, and, and then at that point, did they, do they offer you like, you know, self, uh, self-paced learning for getting better as a manager the the disney way i know they have some very specific management type you know no. structures you know it's kind of part of the interview process but nothing is really so far i'm like five four and a half months in i think mm-hmm. uh and haven't really had any sort of structured anything i have a i really i have a really great and supportive manager and and we have he and i talk um a lot about management in general um yeah. Maybe and you have this person on the show. <laughs> I think he'd be. I think he'd be great. I think he'd love right. it. Uh, Next, I'll, have to, I'll introduce y'all. Um, but I think uh, that's been a really great, great thing. Is like having a, um, a a really experienced manager who's been a product design manager for a long time, and the mm-hmm. two of us have um, a lot of really great, just like really high level conversations about what does a design manager do and, and how, how do we, how can we be effective? And then how does that relate to kind of what we're, what we're trying to solve and and how we're directing our teams. And that's been really awesome. Do you ever disagree? And if so, how does that go? Like you have your experience. Uh, It's different from that person's constantly. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's so great to hear. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I mean, he and I, I disagree with everybody, but like, uh, (laughs) there's a clip right there. I agree with everybody. (laughs) Uh, but I like he and I, I think, disagree a lot on on a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things is is and part of the reason why um, 
a big part of the reason why why he hired me is is that I bring kind of this experience with um, A B testing from Netflix and and this uh, this kind of um, experimental approach to product strategy, and so we have a lot of disagreements about you know a lot of designers, especially designers who've worked in environments with less um, less access to A B testing, tend to be really focused on subjective design decisions, right? Like this is the right thing because I'm the designer and I'm the expert and I know, and, yeah. Yeah. And and when you don't have any sort of data to lean on other than hopefully using some user research, it, that's an easy, it's a, that's the right way to, to make decisions, right? Yeah, how else are you going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I tend to bring like this, this approach where I really want to, I want to lean into testing um, and I want to lean into testing things that make designers uncomfortable, right? A lot of designs we might think feel wrong because they're either visually, you know, not what we're taught to do, right? They feel like oh, that design maybe feels like it's too crowded or it's too much information or you're adding a lot of redundancy. And um, so we have a lot of disagreements on exactly the, you know, a lot of the the more subjective things and and how do we approach that design. And And we have a really open kind of relationship where you know when we disagree with each other we're we're honest about it and uh transparent but then you're able to go test it and see i mean do you get to just repeatedly be like in your face i was right <laughs> sucker you know i mean is it just like is that you're not yet everyday <laughs> fantasy yeah, i win yeah that's right <laughs> I wish. Uh, unfortunately, so that's been a big, thing, interesting thing is like Disney is still really early on in testing. And part of it is that I hadn't thought about this when I joined, but um, Disney Plus came out a year ago. We just had our first year anniversary. Right. And so everything is going from <laughs> zero to one. So there's not a lot of yeah. testing. It, it functions for a lot more similar to being a startup than, than Netflix, which has been, a, for me, kind of this weird kind of uncanny valley where um feels like Netflix, but it's actually more like Root. Um and so yeah. we're still figuring out what is what is A-B testing and how do we fit it in and how do we make that um, an integral part of everything. So we haven't I, we haven't had the opportunity to do a ton of testing yet, but I think we'll we'll get there. So you're trying and to then, make your and then job you can more pull data, out the data driven. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. now I'm just name dropping Netflix. And I'm just like, well, we did that at Netflix. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be good. Because that's how you win arguments right with your boss. <laughs> that's right. Just be like, that's I right. know how that, how this is done. And it sounds like well, obviously you have the scale of users you actually need in order to do successful A-B testing. Mm -hmm. That's obviously the problem I hear a lot is people just don't have enough users to do this effectively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're lucky in that like we have great great user volume. It's really just a matter of building the um the organizational like competency in it where mm -hmm. you know, right now we're still in a place where AB testing is, you know, engineers we're still talking about well engineers have to build it twice if we AB test it. And then we're talking about well, you know, Oof. everything isn't always tracked. And so there's a lot of like organizational competencies to kind of level up to get to like yeah. ubiquitous testing, but we'll get there. It's yeah. for me it's been a really good learning experience of like how do you actually build that from scratch? Sounds yeah. like a long and patient road. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, you, you've had an interesting experience working at these big name Silicon Valley companies and now, and then also this Ohio company that seems like it's nobody, but apparently got big enough to IPO. And, uh, you know, when, when you look back, like, is, is there sort of in, in, you know, relatively brief terms, can you sum up sort of, I took this thing culturally from, from LinkedIn, this thing from Netflix, this thing from Root Insurance. Are, are there things that you've latched onto and brought with you that you learned along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to think off the top of my head with everything. So 
Um, I think Netflix has been the most formative. No, I, to be clear, oh. I need I need a, a brief statement yeah. right now about. So each let me. Sorry, I, you want me to go through? <laughs> I can go in order. No, so I think was, <laughs> so with Netflix, I think the Netflix I think was the biggest like most formative experience. I feel like it was really this transformational thing for me where I went from. Um, right, I feel like I really grew up there um, and kind of found my voice. And a big part of it was, um, and again, like this is leaning into. I, I had a really phenomenal manager there who um, really encouraged me to have an opinion and speak up about it. And Netflix is this really great, respectful, debate-oriented culture. And so, you know, rather than, um, I, I mean, I've always been kind of a, an argumentative person. It helped me make that transition from being argumentative to debateful in a way that was actually like respectful as opposed to just being mm-hmm. like, like that was a really incredible learning. And I had this, this experience with the manager there who basically um, in not such, not exactly these words, but basically said like, you're really expensive to have conversations with, uh, people aren't going to want to work with you. And wow. I, I had this shift from that to being, you know, this, um, that's like t- approaching debates from like a, a that growth perspective where I'm, I I'm wish more to... dudes had you learned your lesson. We need to get more dudes working yeah. for your manager from then. Cause this is, that's, that's gold. That person cared yeah. about you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. It was huge. Oh, great. Ah, oh, wow. And I'm sure that sort of changed your relationship with authority too. And I think I'm going to move into a question we obviously <laughs> ask a lot here on this, uh, on this podcast, which is uh, what is your relationship with authority? Uh, we haven't talked a lot about, you know, you telling people what to do and stuff, but how do you feel about telling people what to do? And how do you feel about it when people have authority over you and they tell you what to do? Yeah. So I think as a, uh, as a manager kind of with, with, the folks who end up who report to me, I, I tend to be very direct. Um, and so I feel very comfortable making decisions and being really direct. And I really look to the folks who report to me to push back when they disagree. And so I try to make space for, um, for that pushback and, and try to, um, you know, I try to focus on like my role is to set context and, and make decisions. And so, um, Ideally, I'm, I'm looking for my reports to make decisions and bring them up to me because hopefully I've set good context. But if that's not the case, if I don't have that context or they don't, um, I'm really comfortable making those decisions and, and leading them to push back. And, and similarly, like when I'm looking to, you know, looking kind of to the folks who are managing me and, and especially like executive leadership teams, like I really crave clear direction. Um, and, and I think that can be really hard from I think a lot of executive teams really struggle with setting clear direction. They want everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, my relationship with them is to really, really push on them until I get that clear direction. Um, I'm really like you comfortable. You get this or this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, or even like, like, I want to know, tell me what your strategy is. If you have to choose between these two things, which is more important? Um, and I'm not going to take, they're both useful for an answer. And so I yeah. try to, I think my relationship with authority both ways is to just be transparent. Um, I try not to beat around the bush or kind of hide my perspective on something and and try to be really open to other people pushing back. Cause I think that if you set the way I've, I've at least hoped to have found is like, if I'm transparent, it opens up the opportunity for you to be transparent back with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can actually have a real conversation. Have you been in a situation mm-hmm. where you've had to like deliver instructions or, you know, lead your team to do something and you didn't necessarily agree with it? How, and how did you handle that? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a really specific example, but I mean, all kind of all the time, right? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that <laughs> one of, I think that's one of the hardest things about being like, uh, in any, you know, any level of 
you're not the CEO, right? Is you're going to have to ship things you don't necessarily believe in because ultimately they're the one who gets to decide because they're the CEO. Um, and so you assume I, they don't have a board over them. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I guess that's fair. It's, it's really no one's making the decision Person's at any of these companies. Right it's now. a bunch of. <laughs> Yep, yep. It's a bunch of people not making decisions uh, and lying to each other. Oh, um, <laughs> I love it when we get wait, real. Okay, wait. <laughs> I have to. I have to do a quick plug here. So I just finished um, the morning show on Apple TV Plus, um, which I have never seen a show that I thought had more believable characters, and it's because of this. They're power hungry, selfish and wrestling with the ethics of those things. And you just, it's just absolutely convincing the entire, I've never seen a show that I bought every character as much as I did that. So highly, highly encouraged on so this, noted. along these lines of nobody's I was like, I would hate it. Because nobody's in charge. No, I loved it. I loved it. Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> I might have to give it a try. I have my Apple Apple TV subscription, uh, free trial. I'll have to give it a try. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, Kendall, you were about to say something else. Sorry. Well, no, you were in the middle. I interrupted you. Do you remember what you were saying? Um, let's see. So I think I was, what was I talking about? So, uh, oh, shipping. So like leading my team down a kind of a path that I didn't necessarily agree mm -hmm. with. Yeah, I yeah. think that, I think that the way that I, I've at least tried to approach it is, is leaning into it's, it's really, I like, I try to approach it of understanding motivations. Right. So, um, when someone is trying to lead me down this path that I don't necessarily agree with, I really want to understand why are you doing that? Right. So if it's this feature, I want this feature to be, you know, have this this level of things and someone else is like we don't need as much you know we can ship it more mvp i want to understand why are you compelled by by the date or why are you compelled by you know why don't you believe those features are necessary um, and that makes it a lot easier for me to buy into it right like if we can agree on this is the motivator it's really mm -hmm. easy to agree on the outcome and so i try to focus on what's the problem we're trying to solve and not so much the solution it's then i don't get so caught up about it approach yeah definitely uh, the 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 perspective of the person you're disagreeing with is super helpful absolutely so but i mean the thing that made me ask you that was you were talking about like uh being very transparent about what you you know how you're leading your team and getting feedback both ways and i wondered if that was something that you shared with your team when you were like well we're going to you know we're going to prioritize this x um, or, you know, we're making this change to policy. That's typically more like it's less about the product and more about how the employee is being treated. And you're like, you know, I don't necessarily personally agree with this. Like, do you ever find a situation where you have to do that or whether, or do you think that's a bad idea? No, I mean, I've, I think I've had to be in that situation a lot. I'm, I'm like, uh, I probably shouldn't tell this to any future employers, but like, uh, <laughs> this I'm isn't being recorded. Really... It's off. We're not going to cut this I'm... out. <laughs> I'm really transparent with with folks who report to me. I don't. I get really uncomfortable with the idea of like, um, and this is maybe if someone if we get when we get to following me on Twitter and realizing that I'm like this super leftist, but like this idea of like, uh, um, I I very rarely will side with the company over the people, right? And so I've had reports where I've talked about like this is happening with compensation, and and I think you should look for a new job, or like I want to help you figure that out, like one of the first conversations I have with my, with folks when I start, when they start reporting to me is what's the next job you want to have after this? And what are you mm -hmm. hoping to get out of it? And that, that sets the first, it sets the, it's really right. scary for a lot of people. Right. Cause they're like, like why are you, you firing me? 
<laughs> but like it starts putting this context that like I'm I'm not you know, we're going to work together here and I want to set you up for success at this business, but our relationship is longer than this company. And so the same thing, like when, when the business is doing things that I disagree with, especially when it comes to things like compensation or equity packages and, and the stuff that like really affects people, I have a really hard time not being really transparent and being like, I think you're getting really screwed here. I've never really used exactly those words, yeah. but like Could be when it comes to like, <laughs> when it comes to things like that, that are really impactful to people, I, I try to be really honest and be like, I think you deserve more than this. And I fought for it. And unfortunately it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And fortunately what that's done is I have all the folks who've reported to me, I have great relationships with still, and, and we still talk and that's, that's kind of yeah. what I was aiming for. Yeah. that is. You're making, making friends along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that. so in the realm of making friends along the way, and and we're we're running out of time here quickly, in part because of my audio issues at the beginning of this. But um, talk a little bit about Gibran outside of work. What's um, hobbies, family, things that excite you? Uh, are you a mask wearer? You know, all of the above. Uh, um, I you, am you a mask wearer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, um, yeah, what what kinds of things keep you entertained outside of work? Um, outside entertain. Well, that's such a like loaded question. Um, everything's a loaded question. I have a really hard time talking. Um, so I'm I'm really into I'm really into cars. Like that's my like go to, oh, yeah? which I think okay. is always a weird a weird thing to be like like a very like left leaning person and be into cars, especially in the Midwest. That's been a really interesting experience. Uh, but I really, you go to like monster truck jams or what is, what does being into cars mean? Like, like, like I like, I like, I like old fuel in circles. Uh, yeah, I I like old cars. Uh, I like to play with old cars. So I have a couple old cars and, uh, that's kind of my like big hobby. I like hanging out with people and talking about cars. And then like I'm married. So I, I, my wife and I have now been, um, we live in the Midwest, so we have two offices. And so that's, you know, we spend a lot of time together. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or I would like the record to show that, yes, buying a Tesla is in some ways responsible. In other ways, buying a used car is always better for the environment. So if you're into old cars, that's, you know, pr- probably better carbon yeah. footprint wise, if that's your concern. That's no, that's how I think that's I think that's fair. It's just been I think it's been interesting because I think that there's a it's a weird kind of cultural thing. Um, sure. And it, that's been like that's i think an interesting hobby to kind of uh be into finding the like weird corner of like the car community that's that's like also socialist is, is interesting <laughs> so, yeah, you, i think you need to go to is it you think you need to go to haiti or to cuba where there's like all of the old cars and <laughs> oh my gosh so um all right i want to ask you one more question and then i'm going to ask you where people can find you on the internet i want to know has becoming a leader uh, affected your life positively or negatively or both and how so um i think overall positively i think it's been really uh i've learned a ton about the way that i mean this is maybe a whole other podcast but i've learned a lot about how my brain works and 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 how why like leadership is a thing that I feel like really comfortable doing. It's, it's the job, like I don't ever imagine going back to being an IC and I'm, I really enjoy being kind of on this path and I feel like I'm learning something new every day and that's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is super cool. And where can people find you on the internet so they can hassle you about liking cars? Uh, the best place to find me is probably on <laughs> Twitter that. these days. Uh, so my Twitter is just my first initial and last name. So uh, J-K-U-T-I-K at, on I Twitter. Put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really learned a lot. And I think that we would get along very well if we were to hang out in person. 
If, if we could figure out how to hang out without interrupting you quite as much in person. Uh, it's, no. it's when fine, you're not quite good. time boxed. <laughs> I cannot. The same way. I cannot. I must. <laughs> I have questions. I must interrupt. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, sir. Yeah.